0: Hello, hello, hello. I'm Victor Rowe, and this is Eat the Blank Page, uh, my favorite new project to work on. Something new is uh, the topic for today. Trying new things, exploring new topics. But before that, I hope you can join me on my little adventure to become a world famous author. In the description, there should be links to all of my socials, my link tree, and pretty much whatever you have. If you just type in Victor Rowe stories, I'm probably there. TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Quora. I have my own website, Victorow.com. I'm everywhere. You can't get enough of me, or hopefully. Now, today, something new is something that I have a lot of experience with, trying new things, going down new avenues. And I'm sure you do as well. But I want to help anyone who feels lost with the process, or hopefully when you hear this or hear me talk about my experiences with it, you'll go, oh, wow, you know, hopefully glean something from me rambling into my microphone. I'm a writer. I am a writer and I don't have anything published yet, but I I do write. I love writing. It's my goal. It's my plan. I have a book coming out soon and I want to write plays and musicals. I want to go to the productions of them. So I am a writer. I have not always been a writer. Uh, This is a very new thing for me. Um, but evidently something that I'm willing to work very hard for. For a very long time, I was actually an actor. I did the school shows. Starting in sixth grade, when my father suggested it, I joined the musical. And I got my first role ever as Daddy Warbucks in uh, The Little Orphan Annie musical. And it was an immediate fond love moment. I loved every minute of performing, of practicing, of learning my songs, learning my lines. It was a fantastic, the only thing I didn't like was the other people because I'm an antisocial person. <laughs> but I love you guys, don't worry about it. Now, what what came out of that was I didn't like doing it by itself. It's, it, I didn't want it to be the only thing that I liked to do because I, it became stale. It became, oh, I know this part of the process I know this part, I know this part, and this part. No, it wasn't, I, I got burnout. I guess you could say. And so freshman year, I started throwing discus. And if you don't know what that is, it's a little plate that people spin around and they chuck. And I I was pretty good at it. And I was going to go to college for it. And along the way, I placed second in the state for my division. I, every summer just became one long training camp to get better for the next. But I graduated, graduated, graduated in 2020. So my final track season was kind of ripped away from me through all the COVID-19 stuff and it took a long time for me to get over that but when I did and I went through a few choice things in life I decided to get back into acting I remember I, I watched a small clip of me on stage and I'm my own worst critic so I thought I was horrible but I saw it and I brought it up to my aunt and we talked about it and it was just one of those moments where I was like, I don't have any goal now. And I had had one for years. I was going to go to college. I was going to act there and throw a discus, get a full ride, not have to pay too much money and just, you know, find what I'd love to do through that. But, you know, plans change and I had to adapt. And it got to a point where I can just do whatever I want. I can do something new. And this is how I discovered I was going to be a writer. I went back to this out-of-school production house, uh, Footlighters, in Cinnamonston, New Jersey. And I auditioned for this play I've never even heard of. It was about this homosexual man and his encounters with life or something. Uh, I don't think it was an official like Broadway thing. Why would it be? You know, But I went into it expecting people my age, expecting 19, 20-year-olds. These were 30 and 40 year olds. These were veterans. And yeah, they weren't being paid money for it. They weren't some stars and they weren't veteran actors, but they were older. They knew what they were doing. They were better than me. And in my small pool of people who I acted alongside with, I was good, but I wasn't that good. I was tall. I was very nice. I could carry a note. No. And those things put me in the roles that I got and when I had to act after a few years of not even doing it because of some drama it just I just flopped and it it was everything was lined up to be like the worst day ever right I go into this thing that I used to love and I used to be good at and I'm like oh I'm gonna take the reins back and I'm gonna start doing this again and I never heard from them again I auditioned it was with adults and I tried my best but I never heard back from them again but it was not a loss it was probably the most pivotal day of my life and I don't say that weekly loosely I don't say that lightly because the feeling that I got from being in those rooms from checking with the dude like hey I'm here to audition whatever whatever being in the audition room, being around the other people, staying after I was completely done auditioning. And I realized I wouldn't have gotten the part. I did two scenes and they said, "Hey, go sit down you're done for the day. And I said, okay, can I stick around? They said, yes. I was like, awesome. And as people acted and as people did different roles, did different takes, I was in my brain. I was like, they would do really well here. They would do really well there. I wonder if they it, how it would sound if they did it this way. I feel like the character is moving towards that direction and he's going the completely the other direction, but it's not completely bad. I was I was going crazy in my mind and I realized I had done this every single year. I had done theater. I would think about my classmates. I would think about the people who were in the shows, what roles they would be best for, what roles I would be best for, combinations of people and just overall how the show would look as a whole. I remember one summer I was just trying to get with this girl and she took me to Footlighters and it was like a younger person show. And that's why I thought the one I went to would be like this. I remember going to the director and being, hey, what if we tried this? What if we uh, they wanted to use um, a wraparound method instead of just like a regular audience and stage thing? The stage would be extended into the middle of the audience and the audience would have like seats on stage around it. It was a whole 360 deal. It was pretty cool. But I said, hey, in the second scene, we should have people predominantly in the seats or in the rows to get the, audi- to get the audience used to that idea. And he was like, yeah. And just talking with the director was way more fun than talking to any one of the actors. And I, I realized that feeling was the same feeling I had when I first started doing theater. It was the same magic. It was the same love. It was the same passion. I was just doing something else with it. So I didn't need to be an actor to feel that love. Cool. I learned that one. I get into my Uber because I had, I had yet to get my driver's license because DMVs and everything at the time. And she, this this woman, I can't remember her name and I'll never see her again, but I hope she's doing well. She starts talking to me and Weirdly enough, I start talking with her as well. And this was before I I grew a social voice and everything. She said, is this your dream? Looking into the rearview mirror before we even leave, she was like, what are you doing here? I said, oh, I'm acting and auditioned for a show. She's like, is this your dream? I said, yeah, it is. I love theater. I didn't say I loved acting. I said I loved theater, which was another thing that I, I picked up on later that night when I was thinking about everything. She was like, well, you need to do it. I said, what? what? Yeah, I don't know. Keep in mind, I've never met this woman in my life. She, she's so disconnected. I'm pretty sure she said she lived in the state over, but you know, Uber just kind of took her my way. And she told me this story about how she went through life. She became a nurse to take care of her daughters, and her daughters became nurses, because that's what they saw her do. And she told me about how she looked back, and she wished she would have started doing things when she was younger, and took everything a little less serious, and it was a, it was a magical conversation and the long and the short of it, she was she, like aggressively, she was like, you need to do this. This is it. This is what life is, man. And she could see like how excited I was talking about it. She was like, that feeling you have right there. That's what matters. She said, I don't care who you are. I don't care how old you are. When you get that feeling, you need to, you need to catch it, hold on to it, do whatever you need to do, do it. Cause that is what life is about. And I said, whoa. It was just a wild conversation. And by the end of it, I took her seriously. I was like, wow, okay. Um, you mean I can just do this every day? This can be what I think about. This can be my goal. This can just be, I don't need to work a job for the rest of my life that I I hate and have kids that I don't like and then raise to be, you know, jerks and then just pay for college and yada, yada. She said, you can do all that. Fine. But the second you you start following those things that you love, you'll realize the only things that matter are the things that you do. And the only things that you do are the things that matter. So if you do nothing, nothing matters. And I was like, oh, if you do nothing, nothing matters. Huh? And so she went and I've, I've, you know, like I said, I've never seen her again, but it was then I started to take it more seriously. I, I had traded um, contact information with a few people there. And I started telling them like, hey, I'm thinking about writing this play, which is actually in my book, Doppler House. You can go check it out on victorroad.com. I have to prologue up for now. But trading numbers with people, like networking, um, looking into different playhouses that will actually put on a show that a new writer writes, the process of it. And then just the realization that writers are part of it. You can just write something and have it be a story and, go through the process and maybe you're not the actor on stage, maybe you're not the director, you know, making sure everyone's doing the right thing, maybe you're not even the lighting person making sure it's blue instead of red. I found my little spot in this world that I loved. The the storytelling aspect of it, the the theater of it, the magic that I felt going into that space and talking with those people, I found my little seat. And then I had to do something new. I had to write. Oh my gosh. I had always been good at language arts. It was one of the few things in school that I excelled at or everything I did. I did okay with and I didn't really have to study for most of high school, but language arts, especially I excelled. Um, I think more or less because my thinking lies in deep philosophical conversation. Whereas a lot of other people just kind of wrote whatever they needed to, to get the grade. Where I would have fun with prompts, and my teachers appreciated that more than my actual technical writing ability. And one of the things that I noticed is that I sucked at it. <laughs> and not in, in the sense of like, oh, it was really bad or whatever. It's just like I didn't know how to write anything. Was I going to write a book? Was I going to write a play? And so I had to start figuring those things out. But it was the starting that was important for me. And that's what I want to focus on in this podcast starting to do something. Maybe you have to find it first and then you start it. But when it's something new, it's kind of hard to hold. It's kind of hard to process. At least it was for me. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be the guy with the glasses and just typing out a typewriter. I mean, hey, maybe that wouldn't be too bad. Wait a minute. I could make anything I want. And that's where it was. I was, I was hooked where I could just have complete control over what was going on and it could be my own story and I didn't need to listen to anyone else. I can make it as dark and creepy as I want. I can make it as fun as I want, but it's neither here nor there. That was my journey with finding this thing that I love to do and the thing that I want to do for the rest of my life. That was the day I discovered something new. Now, the process of doing something new is very familiar with me. When I was between 6th and 7th grade, um, yeah, somewhere between 6th and 7th grade, I started going to the gym with my father, and this was after I had already known that I loved doing theater, so, okay, I was all, I was on the process of doing that, um, and then I started working out, and I stayed working out, and it became this kind of outlet for me, I have, uh, temper, and uh, it was a, it was a nice caveat to get a lot of emotions out, gave me confidence, And it gave me something to look forward to in the day. And then I tried a new sport. Okay, well now I got three separate times in maybe four years where I had to learn to do something new. So the process of finding new things, and I'm still doing new things, but that process of discovering it, thinking about it, starting it, I'm very familiar with. And I feel like you can sum it up. The entire journey of finding something new and then being very good at something new can be this. And I'm sure people have seen this meme uh, other places. First, they laugh at you, then they challenge you, then they admire you, and then they set you as an example. And I think each phase of that process is very important, not just because it's like, oh, you got to push through and persevere. Ha ha. No, you don't. Because what if it's not what you actually want to do? You know, I, I could have discovered I wanted to be a set designer and then I'm like, hmm. Well, I don't want to be a set designer anymore. But you got to push through and persevere and you just think you don't want to. And you got to dedicate your whole life to this. Yada, yada, yada. I don't don't buy all that. I buy, hey, when I wake up, do I think about doing it? Does it make me excited to do it while I'm doing it, before I'm doing it? And then can't wait to do it again tomorrow? Are all those things happening? Okay, because then, because then I'm going to take it seriously. But regardless... First step of the process is when people laugh at you. This is when you first start. And this is the most, this is where most people just don't want to do anything because they're so ungodly afraid of being laughed at, being ridiculed, being, being made fun of. And I think it's all very childish for that to be the only thing holding you back because unless they're going to walk up and shank you in the ribs, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. You're, you are doing something new and they are watching you do something new and then laughing at you for it because they think they what they're doing is so much better. Yeah, yeah. And it comes from our inherent just like knee-jerk reaction to judge things. It's just some people are more open-minded than others. But when people laugh at you, you can also use it to your benefit. It doesn't need to be a negative thing. What What I think laughing does and when people see someone... Do something new and then laugh at them or make fun of them or talk about it behind their back or whatever you want to attribute it to. I think, in the same way that evolution kind of takes place and you find your niche through finding opposition in certain places and then going down the path that, like, it's survival of the fittest for the environment. So, if you're not fit for the environment, you're not going to survive. In the same sense, If you can't get past people laughing at you, you're not going to survive in whatever you're doing, even if you like it. So let's say you wanted to, I don't know. This is what I did. I wanted to box and I wanted to start training, just fighting in general for self-defense, but also because I like Baki. And hey, this isn't uh, a, oh God, what is it? This isn't a random example. This is a, my example was something i've done recently i started training for boxing not because i wanted to be a boxer and i started training muay thai not because i want to be in a muay thai fighter i've started practicing just different techniques um and just instead of weight training like how i always had for many many years now when i go to the gym i'm stretching i'm warming up i'm working the heavy bag i'm working the long bag and more stretching 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 core core stretching and I remember the first day I was doing this it was maybe two months ago. And I've done it consistently ever since. I remember looking around and I was so bad. I was so bad. I didn't know what fo- footwork was. I didn't know how to hold my feet. I didn't know how to turn my body. You know, I had, did, I had done discus, so I knew how to spin. But naturally, athletic, I am not. So I was literally just there. I didn't even know how to wrap my hands. So I went bare knuckled and I was just... I was just hitting it because I knew if I just started doing it, I would become better at it. And that's, um, that's another thing for later in the podcast, but I had to take my glasses off and I put my earbuds in so I couldn't see anyone and I couldn't hear anyone. So the only evidence that someone was laughing at me was in my imagination was like, Oh, they're probably doing this. And then if you can ignore that and you can just be there with yourself, it doesn't become a problem. When I would put my glasses on though, however, I would look around and people were staring at me. People, not staring, but like I would look around and they would look away. And you would always have, or I would always have the um, the people on the the heavy bags, like a few bags down. And this is at a commercial gym. This is not at like a boxing gym. They would just start messing around on it. So they were obviously watching me. And I had so much fun that first day. Even though I, I didn't know what I was doing. I had fun to the point where I was dripping sweat like I there was beads all over the ground there's beads on my face my hair was like soaked my shirt was soaked and I was still like smiling and having fun was I dying yeah because I was you know sweaty but and I'm just not the cardio guy I'm, I'm the weight guy and it didn't matter I had so much fun it didn't matter that they were laughing I was like eh, yeah like that makes me feel like shit but whatever I'm just gonna i'm just gonna do this tomorrow you know and yes that confidence comes with my experience with doing things before but when they laugh at you you can kind of take it as this this question of do you really want to do this is this worth being ridiculed for is this worth being a fool to become better at i'm pretty sure mike tyson has something uh has a saying like that where in order to be good you need to be a fool if you ever watch adventure time uh, Jake said, the first step of being good at something is to suck at something. So you need to suck at something. Sucking at something is the first step of being pretty good at something. And there's a, a ton of different quotes that have that general idea of like, you need to be bad to be good. Are you willing to be the fool to be a master? That whole thing. And the second part, challenge. They're going to challenge you. They're going to go, huh, why are you going to, do you do this? Can you do that? Huh? Huh? And now that's when they... And this is like a royal day. Like, this is like everyone that talks to you about it. That's where they're throwing themselves in your shoes. That's when they're like, huh, I could probably do what he's doing. But like, could he do this? Could she do this? Could they do this? And this could be anyone. This could be family. This could be friends. This could be coaches. This could be just people you see. And it could just be in your own head. But they're going to start challenging you. And you're not even going to know you're being challenged. And what that is, is they're like, huh, is this person serious about this? And they're asking themselves this because they see that you've done something new. They in their own life have experience with doing things that are new and maybe having problems with doing new things. So they're trying to get you to stop doing the new thing. They don't want proof that they can change because then it proves that they're being lazy. And maybe if that's like a direct uh, correlation, I'm pretty sure but I'm not 100% sure. That's just how I view it. So they're going to challenge you. They're going to give you a little more weight to lift. They're going to ask you to do a few more kicks. Um, Maybe they'll just talk about you more or whatever. But then after you break through the challenges and you stay consistent with it and you get good at it, they're going to admire you. They're going to, oh, this is an example of someone who did something new in my lifetime, started doing something new, stayed with it, and is now pretty good at it or decent at it or okay at it whatever it is you went from bad a negative to good a positive and it's an example to them and they're going to use that for themselves whenever they try something new so you're inspiring people whenever you do this whole process and the admiration they admire you and they just eventually come to set you as an example to other people because they're going to be talking about this thing or this process of hey, I want to do something new. Blah, 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 blah. If someone goes to them and that person saw you, laughed at you, challenged you, and then saw you come out on top, they're going to go to this new person who's want to do something new and be like, hey, look at this guy. Look at this girl. You know, she's been doing this crazy thing and she's now good at it. And I'm sure you, you had, you the listener just had this crazy moment where you thought of someone who said that to you before. Hey, look at Mikey. He's been doing this for maybe a few weeks and look how good he already is. Hey, well, he wasn't always like this, you know, two years ago, he was trash. And that's the process of doing the, um, of doing something new. Now, when you are looking at an idea of something that you want to do, I hesitate to say you should tell people about it because I don't think you should. I, I don't, I don't think you should at all. I think the only times you should tell people about things that you are passionate about that you want to do or want to get better at is after you've already done something, if you let's use my boxing example, if I went to my girlfriend and I went, hey, I'm gonna start boxing, I'm getting the I'm getting the reward of doing something new and doing something impressive without having to do it by saying that I'm gonna do it. and because now I've already f- I feel like I've already done it in a way, there's less draw to do it and I'm not doing it just for anyone's approval or acceptance. It's just that you feel like you've already done it because you've told someone about it and they went, oh, wow, that's cool. So if you set up the feedback loop of, I need to do this before I tell anyone about it, you'll be way better off. I promise you, you'll be you'll be way better off. You don't need to tell anyone your plans. You don't need to tell anyone your moves. And if only when you find someone who does what you want to do, that's when you start talking. That's when you start being like, hey, I have this idea, I have this idea, I have this idea. But they are, you know, they're a professional in their field. They're good at their field. They've done this before. So they know this rule of, if you're going to talk, that's just talk. What have you done? So for that example, I, I do things to have evidence that you're trying and that you're improving before you start talking about new things. And that's another idea that's actually very important. Having evidence that you can do things. So something very prominent in trying out new stuff is this feeling of doubt of am I wasting my time? Should I keep doing this? Am I any good at this? And I think that's really, 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 really dumb. But it, it it's gonna happen. And you're gonna have the self-doubt if this is one of the first times you're trying something new. And The only reason you doubt is because there's a lack of action or there's a lack of proof. And as people, as humans, we are pattern based. So if we have a pattern of going, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and then nothing else happens, we observe that pattern as reality because it's the, you know, it's it's the trail behind us that defines how far we've gotten, not the trail in front of us. Because we can talk about all we want, but unless we actually move forward, we don't move forward. And so if you're constantly in that loop of saying you're going to do something and then not doing something, you're establishing within your own brain that you cannot do it. That you, as a person, cannot do it. That all you can do is say that you're going to do something and then you're going to fail at doing it. Or that that is just what happens. That there is no reality where you... Think about doing something, you tell yourself you're going to do it, and then you do it. That doesn't exist to you unless you have proof of it. And so that's why there's this initial resistance when doing something new. You don't have, even if you have proof of doing a million different things a million different times, if you don't have proof of doing something new that's completely different than whatever else you've done, you're not going to have any proof that you can do that. So there's going to be this initial resistance. And only by doing things that are new and scary and unique are you going to learn to get through this barrier easier and easier. Now, when it comes to the vision, like how I was talking about earlier, do not tell anyone. Why? You need to tell the people who need to know. That is it. If whoever you're living with, and it's not like you're one of your parents, and it's a very like, hey, I need to be here to get on my feet, yada, yada. Or you're living with a flatmate, who's like, hey, man, like, what's your whole deal? Those people are the people that need to know. And, you know, I'm sure it's a case by case basis. And you need to decide that for yourself. But when it comes to who you tell, tell as little people as possible. And the only caveat to that is strangers, you can tell them, you can tell as many strangers as you want. Just remember the rule of when you tell someone something, you feel like you've already done it. So Keep just things that you've done, maybe the overarching goal that you want to do, and that's it. Never talk about your next steps because of what I mentioned previously. But when you go to your friends and your family, you're going to people who have this construct of you in their mind. God forbid it's one of your parents because they still see you as like a baby. So for you to do anything is impressive. And it's not their fault and it's not like a mean thing. It's just how it is. And when you have this vision and you go and maybe you tell a friend or a family member, those are the people who are going to doubt you the fastest. And it's not an evil thing. It's not a bad thing. It, it It's something that's inevitable because they know you and they know just like how you know, you haven't done that before. But here's the main difference between you and them and how you view you doing this new thing. They also want to do new things. And unless they are the type of person to support, unless they are the type of person to encourage, trying new things or doing things that are against normal, or maybe you have like a dream that you, you really want to do, unless they're very keen and observant of that whole system of I want to do this. I'm going to do it, yada, yada. Or maybe they've gone through that process before. They're going to doubt you because they doubt themselves. They're going to go, there's no way you could do that because they don't think they can. There's no way you, the person that I've known for a few years and I have a pretty good understanding of, could do this thing that I couldn't. And it's not an evil thing. It's a knee-jerk reaction thing. It's what they have based off of proof of you. Have they been around you while learning a new thing? Have they observed how you are when you're trying something new? If the answer is no, then they're gonna crush your fucking dreams. Especially if you're not ready for it. Uh, Steve Harvey said to the best, no one else has the vision but you. God gave you the vision and for you to describe it to someone else, there's no way they can get it because you're the only one with the vision. I I really hope I'm not rambling too much. I, I just looked up and I'm at 30 minutes. But when you have that vision and you want to share it with people and I know you're going to want to you need to pick and choose you need to be very selfish with who you share that information with because if it's your baby you got to protect your baby people are going to call your baby ugly if it's ugly especially if it's not Um, and then you have the whole thing of like people getting jealous and people wanting to put you down because they've never become anything so it's like the idea that you want to become something kind of insults them in their mind especially if they're like very mature with That whole flow of everything, and that's another angle of it is having that self control, almost that confidence to not let others dictate your thinking. And again, the only way you can build that kind of thing is through action and through proving yourself. Who's the guy? Oh my gosh, who's the guy? Who's gonna carry the boats and the logs? oh my gosh who is that let me look let me look that up really quick it's on the tip of my tongue uh who's gonna carry uh david goggins okay perfect he's like one of my favorite guys i can't believe him for his name david goggins he was on this podcast with someone and he was throwing the line you need to outwork your self-doubt the only way to convince yourself that you're worth anything is by providing proof and he was like yep mm-hmm Outworking your self-doubt that's exactly what it is and i'm sure i butchered the actual like line but that's that's pretty much the angle that they were going for is the only way to prove to yourself that you're worth doing or whatever you're doing is worth doing or that you're able to do it or that you should be doing it or that you can do it in general is by proving it to yourself that you can do it and I'm sure I got, I've gotten really like heated throughout this entire thing, but all it is is passion. You know, I, whenever I I go to work and I I work with these people, I, I always want to poke around in their brain and look for what they really want to do. There's this guy at work who I'll probably end up having on the podcast at some time. And he just knows everything about music, 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 and he's older. So it's like, he's kind of hating on himself for not trying new things when he was younger or setting a career for himself or and but i just i always get him about talking about music and i always learn something new and i figured that he's like he's talked to a bunch of other um artists and he goes to like grunge tours and stuff really cool guy really really nice guy but obviously his passion is music and maybe he just hasn't found his seat in whatever well his seat in music maybe he's a singer maybe not I don't think he is. I think he's a commentator. I think he's a, I think he needs a podcast or some platform where he can just talk because he has so much knowledge on bands and trends and the history of music and all of those things that people could really, I think people would really enjoy to, uh, listening to him. I'll have him on the show uh, eventually. But even just like other writers that are in my immediate range that figure out that I'm writing a book and they start, asking me questions about it and then i start hyping them up i'm like well what have you done like look look at this it's not a mean thing it's hey do you still write do you still poetry or plays let me read some that's really cool let's talk about ideas and through doing that with different people with different things there was another guy at work where he hadn't been to the gym in a very long time and i was still very active with my weightlifting at that point um that was before i took a break to write the book and now i'm back into the it's all cardio um, he told me that he inspired him uh, that, (laughs) ignore that, that I inspired him to start getting back into the gym. And now he's lost like a hundred pounds. And he like, he, he attributes me for it every fucking day. But I'm like, dude, that was you. That was you. And he's like, no, but you always talked about it. And you always made me feel good about it. And he always gave me like these like insights and, you know, you, you corrected my thinking and, all this stuff, and I was telling him mostly the stuff I'm talking to you guys about right now, where you know doing something new will give you like a new confidence on in life doing doing if nothing if you don't do anything, nothing matters you know, and he's like, man, you like inspired me, and that's the that's the line I get whenever I talk to people about what I'm doing, but I'm actively trying to not make it all about me. I'm like trying to get them to talk and add to whatever we are talking about, um, is that they're like, wow, you're so inspiring. You're so inspiring. And I think that's really what I want to do with this podcast is that I want to talk about these things I've talked to plenty of people about before and see if I can inspire a few of you. And maybe it's a little, it's going to be a little bit harder, but you know, I'm going to try my best because it's something new and I really want (laughs) to, I really want to do well in it. Um, And just help people out where I can. But that's besides the point. Yeah, so to wrap everything up, uh try new things and don't be too scared of what other people are gonna think, because they're gonna think thoughts regardless. <laughs> um definitely gonna be talking about this topic again because there's just so much there's just so much to talk about. But I think that's where I'm gonna leave it off for today. Thank you guys very much for joining me for this nice little 40 minute chat about trying something new. My name is Victor Rowe. You can find me on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, at Victor Rowe Stories. I have my own website, victorow.com, where you can read my prologue to my book, The Doppler House, a thriller, horror, romance uh, about doppelgangers. So, you know, I think it's pretty good. Uh, that should be out sometime later this year or the beginning of the next. But... If you follow me on any one of my socials, you'll definitely be getting alerts about it. You'll also be getting alerts about the podcast. You'll be getting schedules about smaller projects that I have coming out. Follow any of my socials for vlogs and all that goody good stuff. But I hope everyone has a wonderful day. Thank you again for watching. Tell all of your friends about it. Word of mouth is what really helps out podcasts like this. Get to the people who will actually enjoy listening to them. So let me say have a good nice day one more time. And I will see you guys in the next episode. Stay safe.